0: Ladies and gentlemen, what is going on? Welcome to the Small Victories and Side Notes podcast. I am one half of your dynamic duo, Renea. We got the other homie, the big homie, DJ. Unfortunately, he couldn't be with us to finish out this recording, but he will be on the next episode where we talk about our next album. And with us, like he was in part one, is a mod from Thinking Outside the Boombox podcast. I want to give a special shout out to a couple of podcasts. First, we're going to start out with Sounds of the World podcast. They said, Teenage Fever is a slept-on album. For those of you that know what that is or don't, please make sure that you check out Episode 1, where we ranked our top albums of 2020 so far. Also, want to give a special shout-out to Let's Brag Different Podcasts. They are some top-tier supporters as well. They reached out and they responded to Episode 1 of this series, reviewing the Kendrick Lamar to Pimp a Butterfly. Our review made, a, made her go back and listen to the album. And that's dope. That's definitely what we want. Also want to give a final shout out to all of our homies between me, DJ, uh, for liking, subscribing, downloading. Oprah is providing feedback, sharing our content. Thank you so much. And without further ado, here's the episode. All right. So uh, you seem like more of a well-versed Kendrick fan than I am. (laughs) So I do have a question. Mm -hmm. So uh, who is Shireen and uh, who is Lucy? If or who are they supposed to be if they're not actual people?
1: So um, Shireen definitely is an actual person. Uh, man, I don't I, I guess I don't know if that's her real name or if Kendrick was just like, you know, using a different name to represent her. But she definitely represents a real person from Kendrick's neighborhood. And in the um, Good Kid Mad City story, um, the whole, you know, tale of events that kind of ended with his homie getting shot is that he was just going to see a girl in the neighborhood and that was Shireen. And then like, you know, he got attacked by a gang on the way there and stuff like that. So she was kind of like the inciting incident that kind of started the whole uh, good kid mad city story. I think the first track might've actually been called like Shireen's interlude or something like that came but it it had Shireen in the title. Um, so that's who that is, and I think Lucy is just um his way of putting um a person to all of the like evil influences that he's he's talking about through this album so rather than Lucifer he kind of made like those influences into a woman and called her Lucy so I think Makes that's sense. uh that's where he's going for okay,
0: it's more personalized too when you when yeah. you think of it think of it like a person
1: mm-hmm.
0: Okay, definitely. So yeah, I definitely liked uh, Sing About Me, I'm Dying on Good Kid, Mad City.
1: Oh, that's my so, favorite track. So
0: I think at the end of this song, For Sale, the interlude, you know, adds on to the poem just a bit. It's not much, but all he says is, uh, until I came home.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So where do you go after that? You get track nine. Where do you go when you're trying to come home? To your mamas. Mm-hmm. Track nine, mama.
1: And this, is, this adds on to the fact that I learned something new every time I listen to this album. I originally thought that, you know, this was talking about him coming home to Compton, like getting back to his roots, getting back, you know, to to his neighborhood. But a lot of people are saying that he was actually talking about, like, home to the motherland, to Africa. And that's why he called it Mama, because of that. And I was like, oh, I was like, that's an interesting thing, because I did read Um, that he took a trip to South Africa before he made this album and that kind of is what inspired the album in the first place because he um you know he was super inspired by Mandela and you know he talks a lot about Mandela and those those last songs um and he like wanted to get back to his roots roots and like he wanted to use uh, you know his african experience to kind of understand being black in america and he wanted to make an album that represented uh black people everywhere and so i remembered that when i heard that i'm like oh so maybe he is talking about africa and he's you know kind of talking about that um trip that he took because he also references africa later in the uh, how much a dollar cost song because that's where he is in that song and i was like Okay, this is a completely different meeting than I than I first thought. But I, I like this song. This one this one, the hook, I think sticks with me a lot after I listen to it. The whole like we've been waiting for you part of the song. This yeah. one, yeah, this is a really dope song. You can kind of feel the like it, it feels like you're you know, you're at home with it's like a loving song, like the the vibe that it gives off.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say, now that you've said all that, um one of the lyrics I wrote down was uh, it's like he didn't realize he, he realized that he did not know anything until he came home. Mm. So, I mean, now that you say that, kind of is like, OK, he went he went to Africa. He saw mm-hmm. a whole new perspective. Exactly. And now everything you've learned here is like, OK, I don't know shit. Because like, exactly. he started talking like he met somebody that looked like him. Uh, uh-huh. I think it was like a little boy. Yep. So, yeah, that makes perfect sense now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The, the beauty of this album.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. It's so, so intro. Introspective too mm-hmm. and it's just honestly amazing Like i might have to i think i'm gonna play it when i when i drive to work in the morning just so mm-hmm. i can get another feel for it yeah. Um, but, but yeah like you talked about like the, the vibe is just great uh there was a little part in there that says this is a world premiere on this song
1: yeah toward the end toward the yeah. end mm-hmm. so i'm just
0: it always made me wonder like what are we premiering necessarily unless that's what he was alluding to
1: yeah oh man see i'm learning even more right now i didn't even think about it that way when when that part came on
0: <laughs> yeah it's kind of crazy now that we're putting this all together it's it's almost like you can sit here and think up a bunch of uh like conspiracy theories like you know how people <laughs> yeah. get with that and you can just go with it
1: for real yeah
0: there was something i wrote down at, at the end um uh, for me in my notes so the last half of the song what is your take on that perspective and in that
1: meeting was that the the part after um after the world premiere part yes see so that part i is this is the one part of the song that i'm still trying to figure out because i was thinking about the whole like okay this is about him going to africa and all of that and even if it was just him you know going home to compton and i'm like okay what what does that part mean because like the some of the lyrics um says, I've been looking for you my whole life in appetite for the feeling I can barely describe where you reside. Is it in a woman? Is it in money or mankind? Tell me something, got me losing my mind. And then he says, like, you make me want to jump. And so I was like, man, what? I don't I, I, don't really, I don't know what he could be talking about unless he's, unless he's talking about, I don't know. It's almost like he's having like a crisis because like the way he even like sings this part.
0: Yeah, it's very fast.
1: Yeah, it's think- like frantic, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what he could be what he could be getting at there, because I was you know, it it almost would have made more sense if this song came before like another emotional one like you or something like that, because like it was so frantic. It was almost like he was really searching for something and he was like, can't figure it out. But yeah, I don't know.
0: Maybe that's that maybe that's issue. like him going back and forth. So maybe he like gets home frantic, maybe because he's got to go back.
1: Ooh, yeah, maybe? I can see that. I can see that.
0: You know, like you, you feel like you you don't want to leave here, but you need to go back over there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah, that's that's that's, uh, that's something that just that popped out to me because I was like, OK, I got I got this far in the album. And now I'm here and I'm like, OK, what are you what are you trying to say? Mm-hmm. Mama takes you right into Hood Politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that a single?
1: Uh, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. Could have been. It that really could have. It was fire. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> so like when this album dropped, I think it was like a blacker or, or blacker the berry and Hood Politics that I liked like immediately at first absolutely yep um and for me like you know what rappers going around calling your favorite rapper your block your baby mama your new girl uh boo boo you know what i'm right. saying so it's like okay <laughs> tell your shit i guess
1: yeah <laughs> yeah he was super aggressive on this one and like again he was like his flow on this was definitely very good kid mad city like like a lot of the songs on good kid mad city like he was like really rapping with an aggressive flow like it it really sounded like a you know like a street album like it all really fit into the story he was telling about his neighborhood and his life uh when he lived in Compton and when i first heard this song back when i thought mama was like about him coming back home to Compton this one made sense cuz it was like oh so he he went back home to Compton he's revisiting his Compton roots and he's like really getting into that that lifestyle and how he used to live before he got famous. Um, and then he was just, it seemed like he was really just giving a, a fuck you to everybody. Like um, he he alludes to the control verse in this, in this song because, you know, he dropped that control verse where he shouted out so many different artists and everybody took it a lot of different ways. Like some people thought it was like a direct attack. Like he was beefing with artists when really he, it was just friendly competition to him. And then, you know, a lot of people got upset about it. And he's basically like, man, like, fuck y'all. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, like, it this, was a verse. <laughs> this is what rap is about. Exactly. So, yeah, I I like how he really was just, he's, he was getting everybody's face. Like, yo, like, you know, it, it's, this really is nothing. Like, I, I can do this all day. I do this for fun.
0: <laughs> you know, I completely agree with that. And and this song opens up uh, with a voicemail.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, I'm looking at the lyrics of it right now. It's like, you know, K-Dot, pick up the phone. Every time I call is going to voicemail. Don't tell me they got you on some weirdo rap shit. No socks <laughs> and skinny jeans shit. Call me on Shanika's phone. So I'm like, okay, that's pretty funny because how many times have you ever heard that? The call me <laughs> right. on so-and-so's phone. <laughs> yep. um, but that's coming off of track nine where he was kind of frantic.
1: Oh, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. So
0: maybe he was, you know, out there in Africa doing what he's doing. And now you know he's not answering his phone. People are like, "Yo, what's up?"
1: Yeah, yeah. And now now
0: he's back on his bullshit.
1: <laughs> yep, exactly. I think that's exactly it.
0: So I just I just put those two things together. Um, another thing, this this uh, particular track, "Hood Politics," he's back to that poem.
1: Exactly. And, and I
0: find it really interesting too how he picks select songs. It's not every song.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like he really he really thought about it and was like, okay. Which, which songs do I want to connect this poem to? Because, like, he really, like, connected, you know, each line of this poem to a different song. And that's, like, it, it seems, like, easy enough in retrospect, but, like, it's, like, how you got to have the poem and then also, like, figure out how you want to weave this poem through the album and then pick which song goes to which. Like, that takes so much work. Like, I can't even imagine how long he was working on this album.
0: yeah especially when like you know you got a small group of guys you're in there and you're at the you're at the board you know you're like yo okay Mm -hmm. we're gonna put this on here we're gonna put this on here (laughs) this is what i'm doing with this uh get on board or don't you know Mm -hmm. what i mean and then you're like it's very intro perspective like like we keep saying it's it's crazy it's and it all it all weaves so perfectly yeah there's not like anything you can change to make it any better (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh so i'm gonna i'm gonna read off the end of that poem Uh, Says, but that didn't stop the survivor's guilt going back and forth, trying to convince myself the stripes earned or maybe how a one my foundation was. But while my loved ones was fighting a continuous war back in the city, I was entering a new one. Man. And that takes you into track 11. How much a dollar costs? I love this song. Ronald Isley is one of the features on this.
1: Yeah. Outside of All Right, because that one, that's just on another level. I think this was my favorite song because storyteller Kendrick is probably my favorite iteration of Kendrick. Like you mentioned Sing About Me earlier. Uh, That's one of my favorite songs by him because he's really telling a story. I love when he can jump into other people's perspectives and tell a verse from their perspective and still connect all of that back to him. And um, How Much a Dollar Cost was a special song because... You know, it, it really was just like a it seemed like a mundane story to start. Like he was at a he was in South Africa um, and he was at a gas station or something. And the homeless dude asked him for a dollar. And he was like, yo, like, no, like, why would I give you a dollar? And he he really started, like, getting introspective about it. And the the homeless dude was kind of weird. And he was quoting scriptures at him. And he's like, like, who is this dude? Like, what is he doing? Um and then, like, at the end, like, it turns out the homeless dude was Jesus and, like, Kendrick was too selfish and he lost his spot in heaven. And I was like, yo, who is this man, Kendrick, like, with all these lessons in this this rap album in 2015? Like, it, so it don't crazy. make no sense. <laughs> and I, and I, I love the way you explain
0: that because, again, you know, I'm listening to this 2015. 2015, I think I'm um, just turning 18, just graduating uh, high school. Mm-hmm. I'm just getting into Kendrick. I've listened to a couple of his songs, so I'm going through these songs, and I'm like, okay, this is a bop, you know. I'm not really thinking about the lyrics too much, mm-hmm. um, and now playing it back, you know how foolish am I? Because <laughs> you know, this is literally, this is literally a story again, and and this guy is like an author mm-hmm. writing yep. a story in a in a three to four minute track,
1: exactly,
0: and it's powerful.
1: Yeah, it's it's really no wonder that Kendrick won a Pulitzer for his next album damn like honestly he could have won one for this album like I think that all the time I'm like oh he could win Pulitzer I don't know why he didn't win one for this because just the the level of detail into the the lyricism is is insane it's like like he's on the top of his game when it comes to that most definitely Um, I
0: didn't know that either actually
1: yeah yeah for damn he got he won a Pulitzer I think he was the uh, I know he was the first rapper to win a Pulitzer I'm not sure if he was the first musician to win a Pulitzer, but yeah, he was definitely the first rapper to win a Pulitzer. Because I mean, the lyricism in "Damn" is is crazy. Phenomenal. Got some crazy like verses on that album, so I was like, yeah, that makes sense.
0: (laughs) I would put in my notes here. It's I didn't notice how many uh I don't want to say biblical, but you know how many biblical uh references he was making. Mm -hmm. And I I personally enjoy "Damn" a lot. Like I listened to that a lot. Yeah. And so when I first heard it, I was like, OK, this is new. You know, he's got a different couple different things he's talking about here. But really, you know, To Pimp a Butterfly was already the lead up to all of that.
1: Yeah. And and yeah. I didn't
0: realize that at the time.
1: And this one also kind of gets back into the theme because, you know, I, I don't know at what point he fully exits the cocoon <laughs> and like what song. But I know that the the experience he had in this song, like meeting Jesus and Jesus being like, "Yo, you lost your spot in heaven," like that was supposed to be like an eye opening like moment for him. And you can kind of tell the next songs that follow. He's really like leader, like perspective, like he's he's given like like crazy lessons. The experience he had and how much a dollar cost was kind of supposed to be like a jumping off point for him to realize, okay i need to get my act together and i need to start bringing all these lessons that i learned from you know south africa and whatever i need to bring that to the people and then that's how we you know we jump right into complexion for the next song
0: you know just like nelson pretty much yeah exactly Took all that like nelson so it comes mm-hmm. into complexion uh a Zulu love uh featuring rhapsody yes so her verse man who her verse the it's... breakdown when her verse starts man.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah she um She held her own with him. I think I honestly think she outrapped him on this song. On this song specifically, it was like, yo, like Kendrick kind of he took a backseat because she was she was going off. Like the the wordplay in her verse alone was was crazy.
0: For real, Uh, I just posted on my Instagram uh, one of her albums that dropped the same year, Beauty and the Beast.
1: Yes, yeah.
0: The first track to the end, amazing. If you haven't listened, check it out. Definitely, like you said, it's like he he came on to to the uh, these ending tracks teaching a lesson. So complexion you know loving your skin right mm-hmm. like how hard it is to be in your own skin when, yep. when people don't love you again 2015 and up until now uh and even way before but this is the first time we've had like a rapper really stand out and, and speak these things from track one mm-hmm. to track 16 exactly uh there was a lot of good lyricism there was a lot of like history lessons in this too so mm-hmm. you mentioned like willie lynch syndrome yes you know having black baby blue eyes Mm-hmm. and he's like uh i think one of the lyrics was like tell him his mom can't run right yeah. caught on to that yep i didn't realize that until i, until I listened again and then, like we said rhapsody she came on she killed it you know keep your head up when did you stop
1: yes like true shit yeah i was i was super happy that rhapsody was on this song because like like she's been in the game for a long time yes but like people didn't really wake up to rhapsody really into like features like this one, you know, once you got some features on like some high profile albums, then people really started to listen to her and then she dropped her Layla's wisdom album. I think that might've been 2017 or something like that. that and then people, album. Yeah. And then people were like, Oh, like, like she for real, but like, she's, she's been the artist that she is now for so many years. And it's just that, you know, a lot of people didn't really know about her. And so I'm glad that she got uh, this song to like really, you know to shine to like show people like that she really got it. Fun fact about complexion: I um I found this in an interview when I was doing research. Kendrick had originally wanted Prince to sing the hook on this song, and like Prince had agreed. They were in the studio talking for so long that they just ran out of time, and they never recorded anything. Wow. And then I think I don't remember what year Prince died, but then like Prince died before they could actually get the chance. For him to sing the hook, and I was like,
0: "Yo, that, that's, that's
1: crazy." That is crazy. Prince singing the hook on this song would have been that would have been this this album would have been on a completely other level. Like people would have been talking about it for even longer than they already are.
0: Oh yeah, you get a Prince feature.
1: <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> you don't get put them on to some
0: like some different set of people for sure. Yep, exactly. It's actually crazy. That's a good fun fact. Uh, <laughs> or I should have said
1: side note. Actually, side note. Yes, yeah, side
0: note. I like that. <laughs> We appreciate those. It's pretty cool too. I don't know what a Zulu love is. I probably gotta look into that a little bit more. Should have done some research. He actually
1: mentions it in the the very next song. I know Zulu, they were like they're like a tribe in Africa. They're like one of the one of the most well known tribes in Africa. And he mentions it in the next song because he was comparing the Zulus and the I think it was Dosa. Uh he was comparing them to the Crips and the Bloods about okay, how like that. They're all they're all black, but they're still warm with each other, and that's essentially. I think those two tribes are tribes in Africa that, like, for some reason, they got like you know bad blood. That so yeah, sense, maybe actually. yeah, maybe he means like it's a Zulu love because like maybe one of their ideals is that they they love everybody or something like that. So maybe that's what he's getting at.
0: Yeah, I'll definitely have to look that up after this. One of the things that just popped into my mind too is a lot. All of us or most of us have probably seen uh, the Black Panther. Yes. So. Kendrick, you know, he produced that album. Yeah. So man, just consistency. <laughs> yeah. Like the consistency. That soundtrack was probably one of the best soundtracks I've heard in a long time.
1: Completely agree.
0: And and same same type of sound. You know what I mean? You still get mm-hmm. that sound. And it's just crazy. He went from that, he went to, to pimple Butterfly, damn, the Black Panther soundtrack. And you know, now that I'm thinking about it, you know, everybody's mad that J. Cole and Kendrick haven't dropped, but honestly, the body of work really just Mm -hmm. speaks for itself like they get they get the free pass to fucking chill because they put out so much great music
1: i don't i don't know if we'll ever get the i think it was supposed to be called black friday like way back in the day yeah i don't know if we'll ever get that project i mean if we do i feel like they'll do it when they like you know they they kind of settling down they're like you know what let's just do this for the for the real ones for our day ones let's put out this project in like i don't know 10 years or something I just, I don't know. I've I've waited for it for so long. Now I'm just like, I got to I can't, I can't hold out hope for it.
0: <laughs> no, nah, man. We're still waiting on the fall off from Cole. I don't know if I that's know. coming or when that's coming.
1: I think he was going to drop this year, but, you know, I think with the pandemic and everything, I think he'll probably hold off to next year. I, I do think it'll come next year because he did drop those two singles this year. For sure. We'll we got to,
0: we got to see what's up. That's my man. got to see what's up. But um, we're on track 13 now, ladies and gentlemen, Blacker the Berry. Yes. This this track, I believe, was single, too. Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. So, again, you know, it's just showing he don't really care what what you think are radio hits or not. Exactly. You know, what I mean, he's very pro, very pro black, very aggressive, but in a good way. Uh, So one of the, the lyrics that stuck out to me out of everything in there was, so why did I weep when Trayvon Martin was in the street when gang banging make me kill a nigga blacker than me? Hypocrite. And that's how he ended it yep i will forever remember just like being on the bus coming home from school and like catching catching chills from that what yeah thinking about it you know what i mean
1: this song when you think of this song in context of the album it's it's way crazier than it originally was because yeah it was a single so we first heard it like with no context just like he just dropped it and we was like "Ooh, okay like i like the message i like the flow it's aggressive but then listening to it in the album context and then directly following complexion like i mentioned earlier every song has its opposite this song's opposite was complexion he followed it directly with its opposite which in the first thing he says is i'm the biggest hypocrite of 2015 and like there's a lot of different ways you can take that like the the way he ended the the song about how he criticizes you know, white on Black violence when he, you know, at the same time could want to murder somebody, you know, through gang violence. But then also, like, he just had a song where he said, you know, all colors, like, like we, it don't matter, like, what, like, shade you are, it's all love. And then the very next song, he's like, but the Blacker, the better.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: It's it like, oh, okay. I see the hypocrisy <laughs> right off the bat. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead.
0: I would say, like you said, that the every song has a counterpart. That's very important. I actually did not think about that. So as you say that, I'm really, I'm really thinking about these songs, and it's very crazy.
1: Yeah, I, I couldn't believe. It. I was like, how did I miss that? I knew there was for sale and for free because that was easy. Like they had, had the same format, but I, I just didn't even think about the fact that he was opposing ideals in certain songs. I remember the Black of the Berry. It, it caught a lot of flack. It riled a lot of people up because it kind of gets into the conversation of respectability politics where people within a group, like the leaders of people within a group, try to tell the lower people in the group how to do a certain thing to make another group feel better. Yes. So, like, getting into the whole, why are we mad about white on black crime when black people are killing black people all the time? That whole conversation, like, we've seen white people give us that argument all the time. And so, the fact that Kendrick brought that up on his own, I remember so many people were upset. But it was, yeah, exactly. But it was a, it's, it's a hypocrisy that I think Kendrick really wanted to bring to light, and it was a powerful message. He speaks at length. Throughout this song of like white people's hatred of black people, how they've oppressed us for years. And then at the same time, it's like, but due to the same influences that I've been talking about through this entire album, through Good Kid, Mad City, I could want to kill one of my own kind, too. It's It was a powerful song. And I think, you know, the conversation that is stirred up alone was worth it.
0: <laughs> he put that out there as a single, like we, we, we just said. Mm-hmm. To open the floor, because how can we improve if we don't have these conversations that are that are hard, exactly, hard truths. Exactly. So the fact that he took the lead on that, like you said, is uh, it's amazing because who who was who was going to take that lead? Who has?
1: <laughs> right. Really. Yep.
0: On that kind of stage, anyway. So that song takes you right into track fourteen. You ain't got to lie, also mm-hmm. known as Mama said.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I get the uh, you know, obviously you don't have to pretend to be something else to fit in, mm-hmm. which is something that everybody struggles with all the time take this down to i guess kendrick's neck of the woods how many people you know down in compton when he's coming up that are probably being something they're not just so they could fit in absolutely uh which is pretty much the whole basis or one of the basis of this this album mm-hmm. It's it's very it's a very chill song mm-hmm. but it's very deep at the same time
1: yeah yeah i always I always think of this song as like a like a fun one because the the hook is fun, but he like he really draws you in with what he's he's talking about. Like it's also a message to like rappers and entertainers trying to pretend to be something they're not. But really, like I I found that the opposite, the direct opposite to this song was Hood Politics, because we talked about in Hood Politics, like how he, you know, he came back to Compton and he was he was right back in it doing the same things. You know, like with his people, like you know, trying to get back to how he was before he became famous. Where in this song, his mama is like, Yo, <laughs> you ain't got a lot of kick it. Like, no. Like like you're 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 something different now. Like, come back, educate the people, be real. And this is actually a song that's actually directly tied to this from Good Kid Man City is a song called Real, where it, it's kind of like the same sentiment. And you know, Kendrick is just saying, like, yo, instead of me, not realizing that I've changed or that I'm um, I'm on something else. I need to use what I've learned to teach people. And it's like, okay, all right, I get it. So I, I like the vessel he he used this song for. That was dope.
0: Most definitely the lyricism, second to none again, mm-hmm. definitely came hard. If you had mentioned like talking ratings with yeah, a lot yeah. of, with these tracks, I honestly might have given everything a 10 out of 10. <laughs>
1: <laughs> for real. For we real. did
0: because it's just so many different components that you get with each song, each verse does not let you down Mm -hmm. which is so crazy to me like you might not have every song might not be your favorite but you can't deny that he came with straight flames like he didn't fall off at any point exactly and that's that's just amazing uh stamina for the message that you're trying to send exactly but that leads us to i so there's two versions that i actually didn't know until i like really went through the album Mm -hmm. so there's that album version which is like more like a live version yeah, and you got the radio version, obviously for the radio, not not with all the live. Mm-hmm. I guess my question is, why do you think he did two versions?
1: Hmm. So I I like. I like what he did with the album version, how it it was kind of like he was performing it at a concert or not even like a concert because the way it sounded, it was more like an intimate performance. Like yeah, he, like he was at p- like people. a club or something. Yeah. And I think maybe he did that because, you know, the way it ended with people at the performance get into a fight and he had to stop the performance to be like, yo, like, like number one, this song is about, it's the direct opposite to you, obviously. And here it's all about self-love. And not only self-love, but like proclaiming it loudly. The whole song is joyous. Pretty sure it samples the Isley Brothers song, the lead single, the most radio single. That poem that he spits at the end about Negus and how it's actually like from royalty and stuff for him to, to double down on the fact like, yo, I got a message and I want to tell it to as many people as possible. And I want to start with the people from my own hometown. So I think maybe that's why the the version of on the album was more like like doing a performance in Compton at like the neighborhood club or something. And everybody came out and he was spitting game to them. Like that's that's what I feel like why he feel like he made that change.
0: That is a uh, dope concept, too. One of the vibes I get as well, especially with like the jazz and the funk feeling Mm -hmm. is that if you ever listen to like like old, old school jazz, like Billie Holiday. Mm people like that they perform in settings that kind of remind me of that
1: yeah like how exactly. he sounds
0: live so it's definitely it definitely brings out different emotion in Completely the song. Agree. and then like you said with the negus he he quoted like take it from oprah tell her she right on time
1: <laughs> yeah yeah because oprah it. was oh, I, I forget who she sat down with i think it was 50 was it cent Daisy? oh 50 cent okay and um she was that was like her big thing like why people saying nigga, like, what is the, what is that about? Um, and I think she was on the opposite side. And so Kendrick's like, yo, like let's tell this straight to, to Oprah. Like the question is right on time. Here's the answer. <laughs> so yeah, he's, he's still spitting that knowledge.
0: I say so he didn't, he didn't waste no time. And most people, most people don't call out Oprah like that. So for him to do oh, it, it was like, <laughs> it was like, okay. Cause I don't even know if 50 cents said anything during the interview. If oh it yeah wasn't i not know interview.
1: either i might have to look that up
0: but i just remember that being a stir so uh you get track 15 uh you got the two versions the live version the album version and now we're ready to close it out track 16 yep. mortal man and Ooh. most people put you know outro but mm-hmm. mortal man that is the outro yep and i think that title really speaks for itself if you think about like all the 15 other tracks like at the end of the day I'm a mortal man. You know, I'm just like you.
1: Exactly. It was the direct opposite to King Kunta. Cause you know, King Kunta, man, it's just so many layers. Like King Kunta, Kunta was, you know, from roots, he was, he was constantly put down and told not to be himself to the point that they like changed his name. And so Kendrick was like, all right, this song is King Kunta. Like you're a King, like you're more than that. And then in this song, he's like, but really I'm just a mortal man you know, I'm going to make mistakes. And and that's really what he gets into in this song. Like, uh, what is the words that he uses? There's an exact... When
0: shit hit the fan, are you still yeah, a fan? Yeah, are you
1: still a fan? Yep. Like, like look, I'm, I'm not perfect. Like, a lot of these artists, a lot of these celebrities, these people we hold up aren't perfect. At the end of the day, like, this was about loyalty. Like, are you still going to ride with me no matter what happens? Are you still going to spread my message? That was one thing that I really took from it. Because he let me actually find the specific lyric that he said that kind of like brought that up for me, gotcha. but something that like basically made it seem like, yo, are you still going to like sp- this knowledge that I'm kicking, kicking for you? Like, are you going to, are you going to keep propelling that?
0: Right. Take it and use it.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Pass it on. or Are you going to, I'll be, cause this whole album message. So you're either going to yep. take it or you're going to, you know, let it be one of those albums where you fade it to the background and mm-hmm. be like, Oh, he ain't, he ain't saying nothing. Keep going.
1: Man. It's like a, and it's like tradition. This is when you really like I didn't even really think about the the Nelson Mandela stuff until we got to this song because he really started talking about it, and it's like, oh, this makes sense. Like you went to South Africa, you you learned all about Nelson Mandela and his ideals and his morals. And you want to you want to portray that you want to be that. And it's like that this all makes sense now. Like why you're you're kind of taking this messenger leader role like you're trying to trying to spread the word, trying to be like Mandela. And it's like, OK, I
0: want you, you to love me like Nelson a scene on genius Kendrick was talking about pretty much what the purpose of the song was. Mm-hmm. So he said, it's like, do you trust me to be the hero? Or if you trust me to be the hero of Compton, do you still trust me? If I can't mm. the hero of Compton, the hero, the hero, like Nelson, if you trust me in this, in this aspect, will you still trust me? If I can't, it's pretty, pretty deep, man. I mean, he really doesn't miss any steps. Like we keep talking about. Uh, one of the things he mentioned in here was Murphy's law. So for mm-hmm. anybody that doesn't know Murphy's Law, it's whatever can go wrong, will go wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's yep. very, very interesting when you think about it in terms of, of life.
1: And, and he said he was questioning it, right? Like that was one of the things he was like, I'm going to question everything. He was like, I'm going to question Murphy's Law. And I was like, oh, man, that's a I, I kind of like that that uh, that line. Cause it's, like, it's very different. Yeah, yeah.
0: Whatever can go wrong, will go wrong. You think you'll just accept it. Yeah, now exactly. I'm going to question it, like why?
1: <laughs> yep. I think it was verse one. He said, would you know where the sermon is? if I died in this next line. And like, I really thought about that. And I was like, oh, okay. So you're saying like, if you died, would you heard what I was trying to like get across? Would you take those, those, that knowledge, you know, like really the fact that he called it a sermon really stuck with me. Cause I was like, okay, so like you're preaching you're like, are you still going to get the message? If even if I died, like after I gave the message, I was like, oh, okay, Kendra. Okay. Do and that you- and that really ties in even more to the, the whole Tupac surprise at the end of this song. Yes, I was
0: about to say, who do you know that does, <laughs> that did anything like that?
1: Exactly. Man, like <laughs> when, when he when he came in and like he, he finished the poem off and we discover that he was talking to Tupac, he was reading the poem for Tupac and then Tupac's voice came on. I'm not I'm not gonna lie. I questioned everything when I first heard this album, the very first time I was like, wait, I started having all these irrational questions. I was like, wait, how old is Kendrick? I was like, how's he talking to Tupac? (laughs) Like until I I realized that he had just like taken the Tupac interview. Cause I had never seen the original interview and he just kinda, he cut it up so that it sounded like he was talking to him. It just sounded so good. Like it sounded, it really sounded like they were just having a conversation. I was like, this is insane.
0: (laughs) yeah he read him his poem and everything and it's just so powerful because everybody talks about Tupac and Biggie right Mm. but who really put the time in to incorporate who they are into their album into their music exactly like who took the time you know what I mean like it's amazing another like tip my hat moment to this man like I think I have a newfound respect especially after listening to this album again
1: yeah, he he was super inspired by Pac, and you know, I think he saw what Pac wanted to be, you know, to the people. Like Pac was a messenger, just like Kendrick wants to be. It's just that Pac he he didn't he didn't make it, you know, before he could really deliver his full message, and that kind of gets back to a lot of the, the lyrics in this "Mortal Man" song. And a, a side note, Kendrick mentioned that he originally wanted to name the album "To Pimp a Caterpillar" because because that, that would have kind of hinted at the Tupac thing, because it would have been. Two and then Pimp a Caterpillar, P-A-C. And I was like, oh. Oh, wow. But yeah. then I was like, you know, I'm glad you changed it because that might have been too obvious. Like, right. so like somebody would have broke that down and be like, oh, Tupac. Yeah, I'm glad he was a little bit more secretive with it. But yeah, this was such a dope way to 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 end the album. And then the, the second poem that he wrote that he was reading to Pac that really just laid out the entire theme of the album about like how it was a Caterpillar- and it, you know, was being pimped and trapped in the cocoon and all of that. It's not common for like an artist to give you an album like this and then really like just kind of explain parts of it for you, like right at the end. Um, and he did it in a really nice way. The way it ended with like him calling Pac's name, but Pac didn't answer. It was just like, okay, okay. Yeah, man.
0: So deep. And yeah. again, it's like that that movie theme. You know, it's almost like when the movie ends and you get the the credits and they put a couple of uh sentences at the end.
1: <laughs> exactly. You know,
0: it's like the perfect cap off. Like I I really don't know if he could have had a better outro. Don't know mm-hmm. if he could have had a better intro. Don't know if he could have had better songs in between that. Everything exactly. was so perfect. It's a beautiful album to pimple butterfly, ladies and gentlemen, please yeah. if you haven't listened to it, listen to it. Uh definitely let us know what you agree with or disagree with. Absolutely. Uh the homie Ahmad came through with a lot of like shit that I did not know get out there and research
1: i i'm i'm really excited i think uh kendrick's probably gonna drop next year i think he was supposed to drop this year but with everything that's been happening he pushed it back but you know i've been seeing clips of him like shooting music videos and i'm like okay yeah, various right. locations <laughs> yeah He's getting there i'm excited for it uh there's been all these like lately on twitter there's been a lot of like if if this artist if these four artists dropped an album uh, on the same day, who would you listen to first? I can't remember who it was. It was like Kendrick, Drake, Frank Ocean, maybe, maybe Cole was in there. And it's just like, it's always going to be Kendrick first. <laughs> like, just because for me, it's like, I know the level of detail and how serious he takes his craft. And so I know that what I'm about to listen to... In in many ways will probably change the way I think about something. He is that artist, so I'm I'm always going going listen to him first, and then obviously Cole will be next. <laughs>
0: oh, most definitely, <laughs> I might have to go with the Cole because I'm more of a Cole fan. But I think it's right, like a little right. bit of bias. But like I said, I have a newfound appreciation uh, for Kendrick. So honestly, I, I like to make playlists now. So I might make playlists of both albums and let it shuffle, <laughs> let it shuffle through. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. If they all, if Drake, Cole, and Kendrick drops, it really be like a major throwback. Yes. Like back to the old school days when they were just coming up and they would all drop around the same time. That would be yeah. That would be amazing for hip hop.
1: This was 2015. I feel like back when Two and Butterfly came out, I feel like it came out at the time where like everybody was talking about like Big Sean, Drake. I think I think they both dropped something in twenty fifteen where everybody yes. was like, Yo, this is their year and then Kendrick dropped this and we was like, Oh, never mind. Yeah, we're like, okay, numb." No.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think it was like the sideline story for Cole. Yeah mark and then I think Thank Me Later for Drake, I think. Don't quote me on that.
1: So Sean came out with Dark Sky Paradise, which is I think still one of Sean's best albums, big Sean. Uh twenty fifteen. Oh, it was probably if you're reading this is too late.
0: That was that like, was nice, Drake I'm not gonna did. lie. And then Yeah, still it was it was. <laughs> I still bumped <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if you stuck with us through the whole thing, we genuinely appreciate you. If you're one of those people that skip around, it's all good. Glad you made it to the outro. I want to have a very special thank you to the homie Ahmad for coming through and talking with me. He definitely put me on game uh, when it comes to this album. Again, I want to say a special shout out to DJ who couldn't be with us to finish the recording. This is uh, his selection of our four part series of albums. So stand by and stay tuned for the next three albums. Mod homie, take us out. Definitely,
1: definitely. Thank you for having me. Uh, this is a dope conversation. I can't wait uh, for the next three albums. I know we're going we to bring the fire to those. You can find me and everything at Thinking Outside the Boombox, um, wherever you listen or to where you find your podcast, all those streaming platforms. Uh, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, You can find the podcast at TOTB, the podcast, hip hop and R&B every week. Very excited to be connected to this podcast. We got a lot of good conversations ahead.
0: Peace, homies. Take it easy.